Hello everybody, it is Seth and Jake and Brad, and today we will be talking about the movie Soul, uh, animated movie released on Disney+, Plus, uh, directed by Pete Docter, Kent Powers, uh, written by Pete Docter, uh, some of the vocals, Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, uh, it's a pretty interesting cast, uh, interesting concept in the movie, um, Brad, I know you saw this, what was your sort of initial take with Soul? Uh, I, I loved Soul. I loved it. I am a big Pixar fan. I think Pixar's movies that... They have some movies that are very much geared towards children. They have other movies that are a little bit geared towards adults. And then they have some that are in between. I viewed this as one that was geared towards adults. I know that from some people who have kids that kids watched it, enjoyed it for maybe different reasons that, that than adults did. But I viewed this purely as like an adult story, something that was really relatable, really feel good during a tough year when there's a lot of things that aren't feel good going on in the real world. And I thought that uh, this movie met the moment really well. And I thought that, I think that it's something that I'll probably revisit many times in the future because it's just a, an enjoyable, a really enjoyable, positive story and way of looking at life yeah so i watched this with my five-year-old daughter brooklyn um and uh oh i should mention by the way we had gotten a mcdonald's happy meal beforehand and she had gotten the toy uh soul moonshine or something or what's his name it's like um moonwind uh it, that was her that was her mcdonald's uh, happy meal toy and so I remember doing this as a kid where like you'd get like the Wild Wild West toy and then you'd watch the movie with Will Smith and it would all make sense in your head. And so I was happy that she was kind of having like that experience of like, oh, I got the toy at McDonald's and now I get to watch the movie and it's all like connecting for me. Um, I will say, I think her reaction to it, it was funny. I had her try to explain the movie afterwards and she was basically like, a guy fell down a hole and became a soul. And then he fell into a cat, which wasn't supposed to happen. And then the, it was like they played music or something. And I was like, that was basically the movie. Like, she did follow it, kind of. But it's like, she, you know, the concepts to her, definitely hard to grasp. Um, she's seen Inside Out, which is the other movie I'd definitely compare it to. And she really likes Inside Out. But again, that's a movie that it's like, I don't know if she's connecting the two storylines all the time. Um, she really likes Riley and she really likes Joy. But she, I don't know if she knows that it's like the same person or inside of Riley or something. But I, I, I found it very similar to that movie. And I was happy that she was able to like enjoy Soul. But I'm always just kind of wondering like, are should we be should, like pushing kids to understand high concept things? Or is this like too much? I don't know. <laughs> so the level with you in the audience, I haven't, I haven't seen this film. We're going to watch it uh, shortly with my wife. That's the reason I didn't watch it. She was going to watch it together this week. But... Um, it's interesting you say that, Seth, because my biggest question about this film was for the audience. Clearly, it's a children's film, but you're dealing with a very high concept, death, souls, transmigrating, or <laughs> moving bodies. It's pretty heady stuff. Yeah. Um, not Memento or Tenet, Nolan heady, but pretty heady stuff. And uh, one, it was how it would be received, but it sounds like she was able to receive it. And then the other question, yeah, you kind of hit on it, is... I'm all for challenging young minds, but that just like the introducing, and I think you can, I think we can do a better job of having a healthy relationship with death as a culture and people. I don't know if you necessarily, but I don't know if that's 
by introducing it to five-year-olds and three-year-olds through this film, or maybe that is, I don't know. So I do, I'm I'm right there with you. I don't know. I don't know if it's, we should be, I don't know if it's the right (laughs) path. Yeah. It's like, I could see a parent using this film as like an icebreaker to under, to explaining and understanding death and stuff. But for me, like, it was not that for us in, in Brooklyn. It was just kind of like, she watched it. I hope she enjoyed it. You know, there was kind of, there were some short parts where she kind of got bored and stuff. But it was like, by no means did she fully conceptualize, like, that this guy had died and gone into the afterlife and then come back into a body or something. It was like, it was not, it was nice that, like, for someone her age, she could just have fun following the characters and everything. So it's like, I, I appreciated that it did still work as like entertain, pure entertainment for kids, even though it does have this high concept, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting, because I was wondering how a child view it. Uh, and it appears that they've, like several other Pixar movies, like Inside Out, like a movie like WALL-E, yeah. um, they've figured out a way to construct a movie with enough things that are going to keep children interested and keep children excited and children can kind of follow the story and find their favorite character and find characters they can relate to also delivering something really deep and beautiful storytelling adults can enjoy which to me is just it's such an incredible balance that pixar has figured out to strike which i i can imagine in the future when 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 i've got children there's going to be a lot of movies that i'm not looking forward to watching with them (laughs) but i feel like pixar will always deliver something that for some reason, the children are going to absolutely love it, and it's going to like really resonate with me and potentially move me on an emotional level. Definitely agree. I also I felt like the the animation or the CGI, I should say, was really uh, like high level stuff. Uh, we watch a lot of the old Disney movies with Brooklyn, you know, stuff like The Lion King and Pinocchio, Sleeping Beauty, and I appreciate all that animation they did back then, but. To see the CGI stuff now and all the all the things they can do and how the colors pop off the screen, it really creates like three dimensional looks. Even though you're on a two dimensional screen and stuff, it's just uh, it's kind of mind blowing sometimes when you watch uh, old Disney movies and then you watch like the newest Pixar movie and just like how much different it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, wonder if like you know, for us, we look at it as a movie about we we maybe connect with the Joe character who. Yeah, is is looking back at his life and he's wondering did I spend it the right way? And and you see him uh, experiencing this clarity by seeing his life through the eyes of somebody else, which is kind of similar to almost. I know it came out on Christmas and I had just watched It's a Wonderful Life recently, but that movie's incredible. And, I had never seen it like as an adult the whole way through, and my goodness, that movie's incredible. Incredible movie. But the way that he views his life in a different lens by seeing what would the world look like if he wasn't in it, and that gives him this profound understanding of like the meaning of life and the meaning of all of his accomplishments, and he can look at all of his accomplishments in a completely different way now. Um, and I think that this movie was similar. I mean, it was wasn't a Christmas movie, but it came out on Christmas, which is why, in my mind, you were connected. It was very similar in that you have this person who he always wanted to be a successful jazz musician. He has kind of struggled at that. He's failed at that a lot of times in his life, but ultimately, he becomes a middle school teacher. He plays an important role in his community. He's got strong connections, strong friends, and he looks at his life 
like a failure because he's never succeeded as a as like a commercial jazz musician and then meeting this soul who has never found life interesting enough to actually want to go and live on earth and then seeing his life through her eyes gives him this profound understanding of really what's the point of it all which is to like savor those moments to enjoy those people to appreciate the people who are in your life to appreciate the impact that you can have on people and to just capture those little moments was just, you know, only Pixar can take something <laughs> that's like kind of silly and kind of fun with a talking cat yeah. and then like club you in yeah. your like a, emotional part of your brain uh, and deliver this profound clarity about, about life and, and what's the point of it all. And I just thought it was, thought it was beautiful. It's a movie about death, but it's really about life. And it's really about like finding joy in the small things of life. Yeah, you to- you totally just hit on like the best aspect of the movie, I think, especially for adults where it's like it really it's one of these movies where it's like it makes you appreciate the smaller things around you. It makes you appreciate the people around you and it's like and it makes you want to cultivate your own talents instead of like always searching. You know, I think there's a lot of celebrity worship and all this kind of nonsense in our culture and it's like it, it is one of these movies that kind of makes you stop and it's like, you know what? I should appreciate the wind on my face or just like the most simple aspects of life. And I should appreciate the people that are around me and not wanting, you know, someone else around me or something. And it's like, I should develop myself and cultivate my own talents. I shouldn't be always looking for a handout or something. And so it's like, there's all these things that that were happening in it that were definitely going against the grain of like current culture. And uh, I was definitely, I was, and you're right. It did. It made me think of like movies, like a wonderful life. And those movies where people, it's like, they have that switched, turn on in their head and it's like oh yeah this is what life is you know american beauty had this aspect to it too i think we can all forget about kevin spacey (laughs) without seeing it it makes me excited it makes me excited just talking about it and like i did read the premise and everything about it beforehand obviously that's very different from seeing it and one of the things you guys touched on was just it's not like that take time and appreciate the small things that's not necessarily a new message but what Pixar and none of Pixar's they're not never necessarily rebreaking the world, but what they're doing is repackaging it. Whether it's this story, it's the soul, like the, the soul aspect, the messages, it's really timeless messages and that they're classic messages or lessons that they're repackaging. Yeah. But like they're doing it in a way that's resonating clearly with you guys. And it means resonates with you on a clearly a different level than it is with Brooklyn as you, you both call that out. I think that's, like, when we talk about meanings having layers, I think that's what it means. It's not like, oh, one person can see three different things into it. It's that three different people can see three different things into it. But, or right. whatever. Like, it's just that, and I think that is the beauty of Pixar. And I and think, we talk, the, yeah. We, we, I, I, we talked about formulas before. For, Pixar has the best formula because their films always have the same quality but aren't, like, without being predictable, which some other formula studio formulas have. I think the hope is that the, you know, kids that are like five-year-olds, when they become, you know, 10 or 15, they'll watch these movies and remember liking them and then understand them on the deeper levels. And I'm, that's what I'm kind of more curious to see is when she gets older, if she revisits it, will it like kind of like take on this new meaning for her and stuff. Um, I also, <laughs> the two characters I found the funniest was uh, the the other soul, like Brad was saying, who's voiced by Tina Fey. And then the the Moonwind character, who's this guy that is basically a sign spinner in in downtown Manhattan, but so easily can go into the zone. He's like the captain of this zone ship in the, in the Sea of Souls and stuff. And 
I just thought both of those characters had like some real hilarious lines and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I thought they were great, and also Terry, yes. the number cruncher, who's yeah. who's like kind of fixated on the fact that someone died and didn't end up in didn't end up in like the yeah. great beyond, and so he's hell bent yeah. yeah. on finding finding uh, Joe's character and kind of get, making sure he gets to the right place, but he provides a lot of uh, a lot of comic relief as well. Just so you know, that's a female. I saw that. I, I I didn't realize that when I was watching it the first time. I thought that just from the voice, I thought it was I yeah. Thought it was I thought a man, it was a male I, too. I did see on IMDb that it was a female, but I must have slipped my mind. She's also she's one of Taika Waititi. She's in a lot of Taika Waititi movies. She was in that Thor film. She's great. Hmm. Oh, does she play the rock person in that Thor? No, no, no. She plays the. Um, she's Jeff Goldblum's henchman. henchman. Oh yes. Oh, I forgot to squeeze this in, but the um, one thing Tenet was missing was one Dwayne Rock Johnson, and I feel the same about this movie. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot to add that question. I had that question for Tenet. Shit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're, I'm gonna send you a separate call, so, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make that. I meant to just say that at the end of Tenet, but I forgot. It's okay. <laughs> we'll get it in. Any final thoughts on uh, Soul, Brad? Would you want to give it a grade, maybe? I one thing we didn't talk about that I, if you watched it on Disney Plus, yeah, like I a know. lot of people, like probably everybody has, I don't even know if you can see it anywhere else, but uh, they have all these short films about the making of it. Oh, really? And they had a, uh, they did a lot of research on jazz. They had Jean-Baptiste, oh, yeah. who is a jazz pianist who is like incredible, who's had a couple popular songs, but also has like, this really long catalog of like beautiful jazz uh, piano songs. And he was like their consultant for it. He added a lot to the movie in terms of like how, like one, he was, he was the pianist who was Joe. So whenever you hear Joe playing the piano, that's actually Jean Baptiste. He helped to kind of compose a lot of the scenes in terms of, how would Joe act while he's playing? How would he talk about music? He was like kind of consultant, the I center see. of it, um, which just shows. Uh, and then not only that, but they had a culture council or a culture panel as well, because uh, Pete Doctor, who was writer and director and co-director, um, basically realized I I am a I'm a white man trying to tell the story of a black man, so brought in this this panel this like culture council who helped to direct the movie and make sure that it was authentic um from a cultural standpoint as well which i think just shows on like pixar's got a lot of resources right they can bring in somebody like john batiste they also really really care about getting the story right and like bringing in a consultant who is an, who is an expert in jazz culture yeah um bringing in a panel who can better guide the film from a cultural standpoint, since it's an African-American lead, uh, which I think it just shows the, the great care that Pixar takes when they're telling different stories. There's definitely, when watching it, there's this feeling of, like, it was definitely aware of, like, the culture and being diverse, and it seemed like it was, like, a very inclusive kind of movie and stuff, and it was... Um, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed that the guy was, like, a jazz teacher for some reason, and I enjoyed the jazz aspect of the movie... I didn't know John Baptiste was involved, but now that you say it, like all the little p piano flourishes, it sounds like stuff that he would do and everything. So that's pretty cool. I always like when there's 
uh, a creative musical person involved in the movie or if there's like a collaboration, you know, like the way Fincher uses Trent Reznor a lot. And uh, I just like, um, what's his name? Paul Thomas Anderson likes to use that guy from Wilco a lot. And I like when people kind of like link up with musicians like that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the three people responsible for the score are Jean Baptiste, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for soul. Wow. So Reznor yeah. and Atticus Ross actually did the like traditional score and John Batiste layered on all the piano. That's a, some of the Reznor Atticus Ross scores are some of my favorite. They did that Manx score recently. That was really interesting. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, uh, Social Network, which is amazing, and that it was uh wasn't my favorite Fincher movie. Jake didn't like it, but uh, it was definitely interesting. To watch. Crazy, uh, an amazing Oldman performance. Um, yeah, worth watching if you like Fincher. Anyway, Soul. Um, what do you do? You think Pixar should like stick with this? I, it's funny because like when I saw Inside Out, I was like, they're never gonna come up with another concept this crazy. And then it's like they come out with Soul, and I'm like, well, they tackled death, and it's like, what? I'm not sure what other high concept thing they could do. But I guess it's like, I mean, both of those movies I feel like have been pretty successful, so I'm sure they're gonna try to do it again. Yeah, and they're both directed by Pete Docter as well. So he's he's the director of both of them, and is one of the writers of both of the movies and I am sure that they will tackle something similarly complicated as Inside Out tackles kind of coming of age, mental health, emotional health. Um, do you think they should do a Pixar version of Tenant so that we can all <laughs> understand what's happening? Yes, actually, I would love that. <laughs> that's what that's what Christopher Nolan needs is somebody as skilled as Pete Doctor at taking high concept, complex, complicated things and making them understandable for it's true i think that that would have helped me with that movie honestly that it, it's funny that uh it almost seems like they should be collaborating but yeah i think that um i am sure that xr will continue attempting to do movies like this and i think that they probably understand how complicated it is which is why xr is probably the only place where something like this could possibly exist that could be uh valuable to both adults and children and 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 that that everyone will will enjoy you think about the it's funny because it's like you think about the stakes and the amount of money it takes to do all that cgi and then it's like if you don't make that story make sense like i you know there's a version of this movie i could see really bombing in a way same with inside out but it's like i mean hats off to them for like pulling off these concepts in these movies and making it all work and everything but it is like it there does seem to be like a risk factor to me (laughs) Yeah, you can only make so many. Like, they, they have to be hits. Yeah. And if they're not, then you only get to make a few before you run out of money. Um, but I was wondering where you would bank this on your Pixar movies. My- or what you would compare it to. Because to me, um, I think that it probably is most comparable to Coco. Uh, and Inside Out. Yeah, yeah. And Coco, yeah. Coco is probably my favorite Pixar movie. I almost want to say Coco does a better job of the of tackling the death concept in a way. Um, Brooklyn really likes Coco a lot. I have a feeling with Soul that there was probably a slightly different version that could have been made that maybe they adjusted to better meet the moment of 2020 and 
and coming out in Christmas in 2020. <clears throat> or maybe they, they zagged a little bit towards making it like positive and making it about finding the little joys in life. Because while movies like Coco, uh, Wally, Inside Out, Up, these Pixar stories, some of them take a hammer, a sledgehammer to my emotions. <laughs> yep. Where like I'm crying like crazy by the end of it. Whereas I was expecting that to happen with Soul something tragic or something very deep to happen that they kind of kept it while it is a complex story they kept it a little bit shallow in terms of the emotions they kept it light kept it positive in the end he's he comes back to life and he gets he has a newfound view of like what's really important which is incredible um but i was kind of expecting the other shoe to drop whole movie and <laughs> i wonder if maybe they made a conscious decision to keep it a little bit lighter and a little bit more positive because of kind of the state of the world right i could see that i that i definitely i know what you're talking about i was kind of waiting for like the big the big dramatic kind of tearjerker moment or something to happen and they don't quite do that but they do they hit you with like a lot of the more wholesome moments and like kind of mm -hmm. surprise emotional moments instead of like just hitting you with like the big dramatic one um mm -hmm. i do think it's it's out it's I hadn't really thought of it before, but it's amazingly a similar movie to Coco. Even like the music is like a big part of both of them, and like you know the afterlife is a big part, and how do you get back from that? And it's uh I hadn't really put that together before, but I also think I think Up is the only one that hits you emotionally early. Where it's like you see this guy have his whole life, and then he loses his wife, and I'm like, what the oh fuck gosh. are you doing to me? <laughs> Yeah, that's the one where it's like, oh, I didn't know this was in the first act, but the you know, all the you know, all of those movies work for what they are, and they've all been rewatchable for Brooklyn, and so it's I think they they are onto a good formula, and they can they've proven they can tackle these handy concepts. So you're right, I think they're going to continue to do it. I just think it's kind of uh it's almost like watching a tightrope walker because it's like at some point you can turn into Chris Nolan and and just outthink yourself or something. Yep. yep exactly. So I was wondering like what are your top 5 Pixar movies? You don't have to like put them exactly in order, but if you were to do a top 5, what would they be? I wish I had ready to do them. I could go through mine. Yeah, you got you do yours first. I don't have like a list in front of me here. Let me hear what you got. <laughs> okay. And this is not in order necessarily, so I'm not going to necessarily think about that. Okay. Coco, Inside Out, Up, Wally, and maybe Soul. Maybe Soul's getting your uh, fifth spot there? Maybe, because I don't, I'm not very into. Cars movies, and I'm not very into the Toy Story movies. I have never seen Toy Story 3 and 4, which I've heard really, really good things about. I just was never really crazy about Toy Story. It came out when I was a child, and I didn't even like it then. <laughs> I've tried to rewatch them, and I might look at them a little bit differently watching them like with my children one day. But I've just never been super into Toy Story or Cars. And so for me, yeah, I think my top five would be definitely Coco, Inside Out, 
Wally, and then somewhere between Ratatouille and Soul. Okay. I'm not um, sure exactly which one would make the top five. All right, now I kind of got a list in front of me here, so I can make some selections. Um, I think, I think Toy Story is gonna make my list. I remember enjoying it. It's memorable. It seems like a landmark movie for this kind of thing. I agree with you. Coco might be the top one for me. Um, Inside Out would make my list. Um, I actually kind of think Monsters, Inc. or maybe Monsters Universe. One of those Monsters movies. I, I enjoyed the Billy Crystal humor, Brad. You know me. <laughs> uh, you know, you give me 90 minutes of Billy cracking jokes, I'm, I'll, I'll sit through that. Have <laughs> uh, seen any of the Monsters movies? I, I recommend, watch yeah, watch them with a the kid, though, you know, not by yourself. Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> um, I also, uh, Brooklyn likes the movie Brave. I don't know if you've ever seen Brave. I've watched that. My wife, she she really likes that one. That would probably be in my wife's top five. And I think that one's pretty good, but I don't know. It doesn't tell as powerful a story to me as, as some of the other ones. There's also, oh, thank you. How do you feel about The Incredibles? Incredibles is another one that, like, I don't know. It didn't resonate with me too much. I saw the first one. I haven't seen the second one. Um, definitely, I I think I probably need to see the second one before I make my final. <laughs> I don't think opinion on the Incredibles, but the first one, I didn't. I didn't. It didn't hit me that hard. Like I thought yeah. it was great as like an action movie, but the thing that I like about Pixar is like the coming of age nature of the stories, the emotional nature of the stories, the insight that the stories can give you about life. I don't I don't know if I got that from Incredibles. Yeah. Um, yeah, see that's where it's like I think those some of those movies kind of drop off. You're right. Like the ones that really are well-rounded and like hit you, it's uh, like Coco and Up and Wally have deeper things and they still work on that like kid level. That's like I'm yeah. trying to find the best mix of like what is Brooklyn like and I like and that's kind of a hard thing to do cuz like you know, Inside Out might be the one where it's like she really likes it and it's like adults can watch that and enjoy it. I think Inside Out works a little bit better than Soul. And I also think Coco does too. I think Inside Out and Coco are the two that are like the ones that work yeah. the best for me. Coco is probably... Coco is such a beautiful... So uh, gorgeous, perfectly, yeah. Perfectly told story and it's illustrated in such a beautiful way and it gives you such like a nice insight to a culture uh, that uh, that doesn't get a story told very often. Definitely. And a, a tradition in that culture, which I think is, like, beautiful. And my wife and I have, have talked about that, like, the way of honoring people by remembering them and by talking about them. And, like, it's, you know, we've, you know, when you lose a family member, what I always try to do is just, like, I ask my wife to, like, tell me stories about them, like, to just to talk about them. And when I'm when I'm feeling sad, I miss my grandmother or my grandfather. That's what I like to do is just tell stories about them. And I think that that's like such a it's like a lesson that I somehow learned from Coco. <laughs> no, it's like know? it is. It's a very. I mean, it, it's an incredibly deep movie for what it is. And honestly, like if we lost a family member, I would probably rewatch that with her over Soul to try to like be like this is how you kind of remember somebody that you've lost and try to like make, like you said, try to make a positive kind of thing out of it. Um, not to say that you couldn't watch soul and do this, a similar kind of thing with your kid, but you're right. There's something about Coco that really just is like, man, it's like this, is, you should honor, you know, certain people in your life and stuff. And we should remember these people. And yeah, the whole music, uh, it's a good, it's a great movie. 
Um, and then the other one that doesn't it doesn't get talked about a lot, but I think is like beautiful and interesting and doesn't tell as deep a story, but tells a really interesting story is Ratatouille. Oh yeah, Ratatouille's good. <laughs> you like your Ratatouille guy? Okay. Yeah, I think Ratatouille's great. You know, that's one that, like, Brooklyn watched once. I might have to try to get... She's kind of gone going through a cooking phase. She likes to try to cook the pancakes and stuff right now. So I might need to try to get her back on the Ratatouille bandwagon. I feel like that's kind of how it goes for me with these kids' movies, where it's like, I'm only going to watch what she's watching, so I'm not going to be like, oh, let's pick this one today. You know, it's like she gets to choose when we're watching those kind of movies. <laughs> uh, do you want to do final scores on Soul? Sure. I think... For me, it's probably just like a solid seven, where it's like, you're able to watch this with the whole family, I was able to have some laughs, um, you're able to have some deeper emotional moments. I don't think it's like a masterpiece, and like I said, I think there might be a couple Pixar movies that are, I, I'd have a couple notches above it, but like, it's definitely, definitely rewatchable, um, and definitely has like deeper, you know, things that I would want my kid to think about and stuff, so, uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid seven. I think I would give it like an 8.3. Nice. Uh, I think that it's a well-told story. I could see myself coming back to it many times. Just have something to watch and to kind of like feel that world again because it's so unique and interesting. Uh, I think that there's a lot better Pixar movies. And <laughs> I would... Like I said, maybe it's in my top five, top six kind of kind of level, but I think that um, I feel like it stopped a little bit short of telling like the fully emotional, transformative story. Yeah. That being said, I think that makes it really like rewatchable and something that I would like absolutely love to revisit, and I definitely see myself rewatching. The other thing that's interesting about it is similar to how like you can watch Ratatouille and just enjoy the like cooking side of it and what it would be like to work in one of these French restaurants. <laughs> Soul, you get you can watch it from the musical side of it and just enjoy. I've listened to the soundtrack, um, the soundtrack, and to the score on Spotify already a couple times because the musical pieces are beautiful and the soundtrack is beautiful. And for that reason, I think it's something that I probably re revisit a lot more. I'm definitely gonna watch Soul a lot more than I'm gonna watch Tenet in my life. <laughs> That's fair. I do think you're right. There's a version of this movie where like they'll hit, they would have hit you with a more dramatic moment uh, around his death, maybe, and really mm -hmm. tried to make that sink in for a kid. But you're right. They kind of skirted it. Um, I don't know. That could be a fair critique or a fair. Maybe that was a good job by a producer. I don't know what that version of the movie would look like. But I like those scores. It's seven from me. What eight point two from you, Brad? 8.3. 8 8.3, sorry. Don't want to skirt you there. That's a pretty solid score from the two of us on an animated movie, on a CGI movie. I don't know what you call these anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was fun. We're saying goodbye for Soul now. Goodbye. All right. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Brad.